Hi, future people. Welcome to our timeline and the first edition of WPF Radio's Daily Newscast. I'm Rick Rizal, saving news you feel will be important now and decades from now. On this edition, one of our listeners wants to immortalize an infamous take on the perpetuation of lies in our legacy media. And what is the implication when trusted media outlets are in on it? You won't want to miss this. If you haven't yet, please like, subscribe, and send us your news, thoughts, and letters so we can say what's important on the internet forever. This way, the kids of our kids can always see who's to blame or praise for the future they'll live in long after today. Dear Time Traveling Minister, You know how you said you want to immortalize what the people want? Well, here's a collab between Tim Pool and PragerU. But since you're a minister now, by the super-legit Immaculate Church of the Internet... I thought, maybe, you could stretch the spiritual bounds of your patience and feature them as your first video for your return, especially since you're so fond of their takes. My question to you is, what can we do as citizens so that we could trust each other again? With love, your first anonymous letter from Detective John Kimball. First, let me say thank you for exercising your right to send me anonymous letters by signing them with pre-2020 pop culture references. It's obviously someone I know and someone that wants to test boundaries. But as he mentioned, I have made a covenant to find the facts with you in our comments section. Now that said, let's immortalize your content. How many times does someone have to lie to you before you call them a liar? One? Five? Twenty? It seems like many Americans are okay being lied to over and over and over again. Here's just one example. Michael Brown was a young black teenager, a gentle giant, who on August 9th, 2014, during a routine police stop in Ferguson, Missouri, raised his hands and pleaded for his life as he looked down the barrel of racist white police officer Darren Wilson's gun. Brown famously held his hands up and yelled, don't shoot, before he turned and ran. Wilson shot him six times in the back, killing him dead. If you bought that, you bought a lie. Here are the facts. Michael Brown was 6'4". He weighed 292 pounds, 80 pounds heavier than Officer Wilson. He was a giant, but there was nothing gentle about him. Brown and his friend had just robbed a convenience store. Wilson, in his police car, spotted them walking in the middle of the street. The two men matched the description of the thieves. Wilson drove up and told them to move to the sidewalk. Brown refused, blocked Wilson from opening his car door, punched the officer through the open window, and reached for Wilson's gun. Wilson fired in self-defense, striking Brown's hand. Brown ran. Wilson got out of the car and pursued him. Brown then suddenly turned and charged Wilson. Wilson repeatedly told him to stop, but Brown kept coming. Wilson shot Brown until Brown collapsed. A local grand jury and federal investigators from the Obama Justice Department concluded that Officer Wilson was justified in his use of deadly force. There is no evidence that Brown ever held his hands up and yelled, don't shoot. The whole story was manufactured by the media. It wasn't the first time. It wouldn't be the last, not by a long shot. The biggest whopper of them all was the Russia hoax, the entirely made up story that Donald Trump, the candidate, and then Donald Trump, the president of the United States, was a Russian agent. This dark fantasy preoccupied the legacy media for three years. It involved dozens of interlocking lies, almost all of which were planted by Trump's Democratic opponent. Given the sad state of our corporate media, it is perfectly fitting 
that the New York Times and the Washington Post won Pulitzer Prizes, the highest award in journalism, for dutifully reporting each lie as if it were the gospel truth. Then there was the Charlottesville lie, that the president described neo-Nazis as very fine people at a press conference following a riot in Charlottesville, Virginia, in August of 2017. He never said any such thing. There's a transcript of the press conference to prove it. The real quote was, I'm not talking about the neo-Nazis and the white nationalists. They should be condemned totally. No matter. The media had manufactured the story, and they were sticking to it. Additional common sense evidence to the contrary, like the president has Jewish grandchildren, was simply ignored. Or how about the laptop from hell? The computer that Hunter Biden left at a computer repair shop and never picked up. That story was broken by the New York Post in October 2020. In addition to files depicting Hunter's personal predilections, emails and text messages on the laptop suggested that his father, presidential candidate Joe Biden, was involved in corrupt business dealings with the Russians, the Ukrainians, and the Chinese. Twitter immediately banned the New York Post story from being shared on its platform. Did the legacy media jump all over this egregious violation of the freedom of the press? No. They jumped all over the fiction that it was another Russian disinformation campaign. For the record, I don't care whether you think Trump is great or horrible. The issue is not Trump. The issue is truth. How do you determine who's telling it? One obvious way, as I've already suggested, is if someone or some news source lies over and over again, you may not want to trust them. Who told you that Supreme Court Justice nominee Brett Kavanaugh was a sexual abuser and a gang rapist? or that a Catholic high school kid cruelly mocked a Native American war veteran on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial, or that mounted border agents used whips to control migrants at the Texas border. The legacy media, the corporate media, the establishment media, whatever you want to call them, they've lied to your face and they'll keep lying. You can keep believing their lies, or you can show a little curiosity and take some responsibility. Read past the headlines. Consume information from across the political spectrum. Determine for yourself who deserves your trust and who doesn't. In the process, you'll be surprised how much you will learn. This is how you become an informed citizen. Now that's a novel idea. I'm Tim Poole, host of TimCast for Prager University. Thank you for watching this video. To keep PragerU videos free, please consider making a tax-deductible donation. Fair use disclaimer and links to the original content creator will be in the description below. Alrighty, future Ken. And Detective John Kimbu. Here's my take. First of all, I remember the first story. But it's only now I found out that the hands up, don't shoot part can't be 100% confirmed. But isn't that what we get with the internet? The infinite ways a situation can be seen. Fortunately, my dad was an IT professional that got me ahead of the game with the internet. And he taught me two important things about all news. Everyone lies, so be careful of all news. Giving weight to that age-old suggestion to always be conscious of where a stream comes from and where that stream will take you. Your question was, what can we do as citizens so that we could trust each other again? Some might say that education is the solution. But I feel that's too broad. Communication education is good, but I feel it doesn't do enough to keep us accountable from that default tendency to immediately disregard the opinions of people we don't like. These days, it's too easy to unload the burden of critical thinking to experts instead of thinking on your own. 
You might think the golden rule is enough because it teaches mutual respect, but it doesn't encourage a meaningful exchange. It makes it easier to cop out and say, we'll agree to disagree. So to trust one another again, we need to normalize having meaningful conversations again. I'm saying the ability to have deep conversations is the key to solving our differences. Before smartphones, we kept the peace by being curious about others' beliefs. But now, it seems we opt for virtual echo chambers that thrive on judging on how inferior other groups are compared to theirs. So remember this. Social harmony requires curiosity. If we're going to thrive as a human race, we need to normalize rational discussion with our fellow man instead of normalizing reactivity. And I feel we could do this by referring to the works our ancestors sought to save. I'm talking about the classics that boost the spirit of the golden rule. The good books with good words. The ancient gospels. Whether you like it or not, these religious texts built the moral scaffolding of the golden rule. Now before I start wading deeper into the river, let me take a second to address the minister thing at the beginning. If you asked me on the street about my religion, I'd tell you, I'm free from religion just not an atheist. In fact, I got my ministerial credentials from the internet to show the irony of giving anyone authority over topics that require faith in the first place, especially in the age of the internet and information, when we could hold conversations with experts from across the globe in seconds, versus our limitations before, when we needed to travel to seek wisdom. So, if there's anything you get from this video, please let it be the cherry-picked religious bits I found in my 30-plus years of living here. And we'll start with the oldest religion, Hinduism, whose Bible is the Upanishads, which explains that truth is revealed through discussion and argument. However, it also says that a wise person should not speak harsh words, for they could cause others pain. Buddhism summarized compassionate language in two words, right-speak. Then the New Testament tells us in Ephesians, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. It also shares how to handle differences peacefully, summarized best in Matthew chapter 18, privately first, then privately with trusted witnesses, then and only then should you go public. How many of us can say we don't vent on social media first? Look at what we've done in the two to three decades of having these powerful communication tools. We've normalized reactivity over rational discussion. We've normalized canceling before listening. Essentially, we've normalized whatever makes it easy to dehumanize the neighbor in front of us. We used to be taught to be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to get angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. But we can't talk about God anymore so does this mean canceling people is for those without faith? I'm not sure, because excommunication is also a religious concept. Look, I'm not a learned man. And obviously, the world isn't perfect. But I feel that with all the advances we've made these two decades after Y2K, we could stand to build an environment that the kids of our kids can easily sift out what is absolutely true. Honestly, I'm just a guy with a hobby to find words that help me defend my own autonomy and individuality in the face of those enslaved by the authority figures of whatever group they identify with. So, when I look at the arguments against slavery, the antithesis of autonomy and individuality, 
I found that the biggest, most recent players in the fight against racism and slavery tended to be taught under the House of Order that proclaims that every soul on the planet is fearfully and wonderfully made. Abraham Lincoln, who signed the Emancipation Proclamation that declared slaves 100% free, was a devoutly religious man of the Bible. Martin Luther King Jr., who taught us you don't get rid of darkness with more darkness, you use light, you don't use hate to get rid of hate, you use love. He was a Baptist minister from Alabama. Daryl Davis, an African-American musician who is still alive today and famous for converting KKK members away from bigotry. According to ChristianityToday.com, he is a Christian. So for this question about how we could trust each other again, I thought the best thing I could do is refer to the old texts and the good book to remind you of the net positives that people of faith bring to humanity and to remind everyone the main difference between bigotry and prejudice. Bigotry is unreasonable intolerance, and prejudice is unreasoned intolerance. And as the good book says, let's reason together. I understand. Sometimes it's tough to summon the patience to ask, what do you mean by that? Without that twisted toxic tone that some dirty folks use to dismiss valid arguments. But that's also okay, because the comment section of WPF Radio is here to turn it all around. For our first episode, though, I'll tell you. I'm going to do my best to moderate our comment section, but I'm also trying to produce enough episodes to show the world that we mean business. So please, give me grace while I figure out how I could produce two to four episodes a day and one interview a week. In the meantime, please remember, be quick to listen and slow to anger, and we will get through this together. That is all.